Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I get so many questions about gender and gender identity that I thought it was a good idea to have an open conversation about it on my show. To help with this, I enlisted the help of Bobby Temps, creator and host of Mental, the podcast with an aim to destigmatize mental health. We discuss the difference between sex and gender and what it means to be authentic to your gender identity and expression. He also talks about his own journey and provides a few suggestions for others who are still discovering their true self. Welcome back to Savvy Psychologist. I'm your host, Dr. Monica Johnson. Every week on this show, I'll help you face life's challenges with evidence-based approaches, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. I am so happy to have Bobby Temps here today. And our our goal in having this conversation with with everyone is we want to have an honest conversation about gender expression today. Um, And I'm happy to have Bobby because he has his own unique journey and story with his masculinity. And I have my own with my own femininity. Um, and we will share some of our own lived experiences and, and having this conversation today. Um, and so Bobby, I just want to start off by asking you kind of, how do you define gender? How do you define sex and what's the difference between the two? Sure, absolutely. And I'll just quickly say before I get into it, it's lovely to be joining you today. Love the show, love your work. And uh, years back, when starting off my own podcast, I got to interview Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, a previous savvy psychologist. So it feels very full circle to be chatting to you now. In terms of going through differences between sex and gender, I think it's probably easiest to start with sex because that's really where, you know, this this starts in many ways. So if we go kind of back to the basics, because I know it's maybe a helpful refresh. I didn't learn about this since school. So each of us, when we're conceived, a part of that conception is 46 chromosomes come together. They're in 23 pairs. And half of the chromosomes come from uh, each parent. One particular pair of chromosomes determine your sex. So what you'll often hear referred to as biological sex. So this is really where 
for me, the whole conversation begins. And when we describe the sex chromosomes, we often use X and Y to describe them. And you'll see why that's relevant. So the mother always gives an X chromosome to the child and the father may contribute either an X or a Y, which means then that the father is the parent that determines the sex of that child. So if you are born as female, that is you having two X chromosomes. If you are born and assigned male at birth, that is one X and one Y. So this is where the whole conversation about what is sex begins, is right from the point of conception, how the chromosomes come together and what that means about you as a baby one day. I should also mention at this point, this isn't the whole story because according to the World Health Organization, they estimate 1% of people globally are under the umbrella term of being intersex. And that's where the chromosomes don't come together in the usual way. And that can lead to differences in physical um, sex characteristics. It can lead to differences to do with um, how your body is composed internally and also your hormones uh, right from, again, the point of conception. And so... It's worth mentioning that because so often, you know, we hear a conversation about biological sex as, you know, facts are facts. And this is, you know, this is uh, really the kind of very sciencey side of this whole sex and gender conversation. That being said, it's also important to acknowledge the nuance of it's not even at that point entirely straightforward and binary in every case. Um, and that, you know, over our human history has led to a lot of discrimination, a lot of um, mishandling of, of gender from a very young age to an extent that many intersex people don't actually know that they're intersex because they are assigned being often physically perceived as more male or female at birth, therefore assigned one or the other. And that can often come along with corrective surgeries at that point. That's where the story begins with sex. And then, of course, those chromosomes go on through our life to define many other ways in which our body develops. Moving on to the gender side of things, this is where it's more social. We could say social science, but it's more social than scientific. So these are, you know, the things that we often hear, uh, like whether or not colours actually have anything to do with gender. We hear conversations within mental health spaces of this, this rhetoric of like boys shouldn't cry and you should man up if you're showing your emotions. Um, it, it can also, there can be discrimination in this space of historically and, and still to an uh, unfortunately large extent today, certain mental health diagnoses being stereotyped as male ones or female ones um, and certain conditions not having been taken seriously, like anxiety used to be referred to as female hysteria. One of the things that I, I wanted to kind of get into, we, we've talked about some of the ways in which gender is taught to us. Like, you know, pink is for girls, blue is for boys. Women are the fairer sex and men are big and strong, right? For you and your own story, what has been like the benefits and the costs of these kind of narratives that we have about gender in your own journey? 
Sure. So it's it's been a nuanced one and it has been a journey. And I hear myself on my own podcast all the time talking about mental health as a journey. And I wish we had more words for that. It's like I sometimes get bored <laughs> of myself using that buzzword, but it is it is very apt. And one of the strange elements of it for me is I haven't realized until relatively recently how much of my struggles have been quite typically male in a lot of ways. You know, from a young age, I had undiagnosed depression um, to the point where I don't remember a time before those symptoms, but I wasn't diagnosed until my late teens. And so that was a big moment of a lot of things really clicking into place and making sense to me, you know, times when I was really unhappy and had a kind of deep, what felt like a loneliness and emptiness. And I say loneliness because without education, without context as a young person, I didn't know what depression was, um, even though I was experiencing it. And so loneliness was the closest emotion I could think of. And, you know, when I look back, it's, you know, I do feel sad for my younger self because there were times when I would have, you know, events like my birthdays and feel the need to perform and be happy for the adults around me because, you know, negative emotions could be treated as problematic, you know, questioned and uh, perceived and, and described as difficult, perhaps, and particularly when you didn't have a reason, right? So I wasn't able to explain why I often felt so sad and so down and low energy and, you know, had many physical symptoms even of like exhaustion and such that I, again, didn't know these were related at the time. And so, you know, I, I did go along the common route of masking a lot of these behaviours, pretending, you know, it's a birthday, I should be happy, I'll pretend to be happy, things like that. And so where gender comes along with a lot of this is that kind of emboldened much of that masking behaviour. This sort of, I, I very much did grow up in a in the time of even more sort of boys don't cry rhetoric and you know this idea that, that you've got to man up if you're feeling emotional um and again it being seen as maybe there were a few times when you could be upset as a man but that was you know very policed it was like you know if, if no one's died why would you be crying that sort of stuff and when that's all around you, it's it's very easy to soak up. You know, sometimes it was subtle and other times it, it was blatant. It was, you know, people saying that I wasn't, you know, I was behaving like a girl, let's say, if I was upset. This kind of was further doubled down by also having, um, not from as young, but sort of through my teen years, uh, an eating disorder, anorexia. Again, you know, this is, I can see now in hindsight how it relates to gender, right? Because... I genuinely, so the depression, when I was really young, I hadn't heard of it, didn't know what depression was. When I was older, I did even before I knew what it was, but I didn't know that eating disorders could affect men. I'd never seen that out out in the world. I knew very little about eating disorders generally, but I'd never seen a single case portrayed in, in media or talked about around me of a man having an eating disorder. And, you know, I, I, I can look back and see a lot of the dots now. Like one of my favorite TV shows was a show called Skins and that uh, portrayed 
the lives of kind of young teenagers and the, like a very kind of raw portrayal of the emotional turbulence of that time. And I connected to that show deeply. I also found it very upsetting. But so it was that interesting mix of I keep I have to keep watching this show because it's really speaking to me. But it's also really upsetting. And I'd find myself binge watching it because I'd have to wait until an episode that didn't end so tragically to, to feel, you know, that I could sort of get to sleep that night. One character in particular I really connected to was Cassie, who really her entire plot line was about having an eating disorder. And I think that, you know, has its own questionabilities of I would love to see a few more characters with mental illness on TV, where that's not their whole arc. You know, I, I like just once give me a character that they have a pill every morning and that's it. You know, it's just like, because for a lot of people, that's reality too. You know, it's, it's not something that entirely defines any of us. And for plenty of us, it can be something in varying states of, the, of backgrounds, depending where we're at. Um, and so, yes, years, years later, a few years after the, the depression diagnosis, I, I had this diagnosis of anorexia. It's a lot easier to talk about this stuff in hindsight because in reality it was further years and even going on to host a mental health podcast, which I've been doing now for five years. And one of the biggest surprises, and people find this odd for me to say these days, is I was genuinely quite shocked that so many men related to me as a host. On the surface of it, it's like, well, you're a man talking about mental health, this very widespread set of issues. Of course, there'd be other men, women, everyone that could relate to elements of what you're discussing with your guests. But I think I'd gone so long feeling that I didn't fit a conventional idea of masculinity, that I think I'd sort of untrained myself to see it in that narrow way. You know, I, I sometimes describe myself as I'm male, but I don't take it too seriously. I hadn't unpicked that for other people. So I was still seeing other men in that way of like, oh, but they, I, I won't be as relatable to them because I'm just not the classic bro or whatever. And the the irony, of course, is many of the experiences as I can describe now in hindsight did have elements of gender masculinity and narrow ideas of masculinity relating to it so uh, it's it's exciting too and so I think the more I've come to understand this and the more we talk about gender on, on my own platform the more I've realized oh actually I I do have a useful perspective on this and that's been nice yeah, I mean even as you're talking I'm resonating with a lot of what you're saying. I also watch Skins. Let me just throw that out there. <laughs> um, and, but for me, like growing up, like I was always looking for representations of, of women that matched me um, because I was not the makeup wearing, dress wearing girl. I was roughhousing with all the boys. <laughs> and like, that's what I enjoyed like doing. And so for me, it was like Xena warrior princess and like Buffy. I was like, oh, it's okay for like women can be strong and like want to take a boxing class <laughs> or like, you know, whatever. But I mean, 
you know, part of what I'm hearing you saying is like, you try to find these representations because you want to know that you belong somewhere because, you know, trying to fit in to these like gender ideas is exhausting when it's not your true authentic reality. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launched vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com. It's okay if you aren't ready for kids right now. It's okay if you don't want to be a mom now or even ever. It's nobody's decision but yours. But do you know what's not okay? Not knowing how effective your birth control is. Talk to your doctor about effective birth control options so you can make an informed decision. Tap to learn more. One question that I have is your journey has been like so poignant and you've been introspective and insightful about kind of this process and how it all kind of started for you developing this new awareness and authentic identity for yourself. I'm wondering what advice or tips you would give to other people who are in the midst of their kind of journey and they haven't figured out as many things as you have so far. Sure. Well, thank you for that. And I, I think the first answer is is maybe quite an obvious one. Therapy. Like I've I've done <laughs> therapy for five years and I, you know, describe myself as having graduated it. I never did a, a degree, I never graduated anything else. So um, you know, I, I did five years and it it helped immensely. And you know, I really knew that I was I was getting better and that that maybe I didn't need to be seeing my therapist um weekly anymore when I started going to the sessions and telling her all the things I'd already solved. You know, it would be like a recap of here's all the things that happened in in my week. It stressed me out for 24 hours. And, but this is what I did and this is how I'm feeling better. And, you know, that is, is something that, that fills me with so much joy and also, you know, passion for this work and, and encouraging other people to go get support. So that was a massive one. Um, you know, I also think finding like-minded people, you know, helps. Um, it's it's a, a strange one through the lens of gender because, you know, as much as I've talked about not feeling I, I kind of fitted stereotypes of gender, I equally don't believe in those stereotypes. Like, we, I think we're, we can all be on the same page that, like, men absolutely do cry. We may be discouraged from doing it. There's <laughs> nothing to go back to the biolog- you know, biological stuff, sex versus gender. There's nothing biologically different. 
where we have we still have tear ducts too and so I think you know that sort of stuff was really helpful to unpick in myself but that was really only half of the, the journey as I've described was it was also finding other people that could relate and and it's strange now talking about gender because now I'm like turns out I'm quite typically male (laughs) and that was a surprise (laughs) to me I just actually couldn't be I I felt I couldn't be myself at times um which is quite ironic because in the broader conversation about gender I think I actually in not being yourself you're not also being your gender your culture your whatever else you know factors into who we are as individual so that's a big thing finding your tribe and also, like, you know, I, I have to say, talking about this stuff, you know, having these conversations, you know, I'm the thing that makes me most emotional about all of this now. And it was like a big therapy realization for me was I've successfully built a life for myself. Where not only am I comfortable expressing my emotions and talking about mental illness, which for so many years I didn't know I had, and for years further than that, felt unable to talk about or get treatment for. It's now something that I am so comfortable talking about. It's such a part of my work and just day-to-day identity that now it, it feels like it's gone the opposite way. Now people will be disappointed if I don't talk about my emotions. And, you know, that that feels so significant. And I think does relate to so much of this, that I'm I'm a man that is now actively expected to emote. And when I look back on my younger self, it feels no coincidence that I've created an environment for myself that I really wish I'd had then. Yeah, and you're trying to create space for other people as well to make their journeys easier. Absolutely. I just want to say thank you so much for being so honest um, today with me. Um, I always value and feel honored when people will instantly be vulnerable with me. I'm like, I haven't earned it. (laughs) And I'm so thankful that, (laughs) you know, you've made that choice and like been trusting in in this process with me. No, you're very welcome. I mean, it, it comes with a lot of practice. You know, that is the good side of it. It gets easier having these conversations. Um, and yeah, I really I really appreciate this conversation. I, I think it's very timely. You know, gender and, and sex are being talked about so much at the moment in media. Um, and I think it can be difficult sometimes to watch these conversations when for some people, elements of that conversation can be a hypothetical. And for other people, it's very closely tied to your lived experience. I would argue it's like tied to all our lived experience. You know, certain things we touched on, like the the gendering of colours. You know, blue is for boys, pink is for girls. That is something that is very widely seen. It's also widely questioned. And you know, fun fact about that: it, it wasn't actually until around the, the end of the Second World War when that particular marketing came in. So in, that was a trend that I can see why so many businesses leapt on in the aftermath of a world war when they're trying to get their businesses together. And this was an appealing way to be like, well, a lot of babies are, are dressed in clothes that are comfortable and that are white because then they can be bleached if there's any stains um, and they can be passed down and last for longer. And then if you split it up that, no, the boy and the girl babies need different clothes, 
of course, that's an appealing idea to double your sales. And so, you know, it's it's interesting to take examples of this. And like now we're questioning something like that so much more. But equally, there was a time when that wasn't even a thing. Oh, absolutely. We don't realize how, to your point about it's important to have conversations, how we can be complicit through our silence of like not knowing our history, not having these conversations and can sometimes really cause harm over what we're describing right now as a post-war marketing ploy, <laughs> you know, yeah, it sounds it's so, terrible. It's so weird. It's based on nothing, you know. So if I'd have anything to say, it'd be like, you know what? My perspective is, pink really suits white people. <laughs> so how about how about we go off something like that versus this kind of arbitrary gender thing, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah, I, absolutely. I love pink. <laughs> yeah, based on your undertones, here's what colors work best. For you is like the better way to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I just want to say thank you so much again. And if people want to hear more from you, where can they go? Sure, absolutely. So the easiest way is probably to search my name either on your favorite podcasting app or just the Google. It's Bobby Temps. So B O B B Y T E M P S. And I'm enough of a nerd with my search engine optimization. It'll come up. All the links will appear for you. We should also plug quickly before I go. You're also going to be appearing on my podcast. Yes, I am going to be. Yes, I am also going to be appearing on the podcast. And I'm going to be talking about my journey of becoming a psychologist, which is going to be wonderful, too. Yeah, so absolutely. Come over to our show. Come subscribe now. And you've got a familiar voice to look out for. What was a faulty belief you have stuck in your head about gender? Let me know on Instagram at KindMindPsych. You can also reach out to me via my email at psychologist at quickanddirtytips.com or leave a voicemail at 929-256-2191. The Savvy Psychologist is a Quick and Dirty Tips podcast. It's audio engineered by Steve Rickyberg with script editing by Adam Cecil. Our podcast and advertising operations specialist is Morgan Christensen. Our digital operations specialist is Holly Hutchings. And our marketing and publicity associate is Davina Tomlin. Follow Savvy Psychologist on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for this episode of Savvy Psychologist. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com.